Welcome to the podcast of New Life Church. We hope that the messages, topics, and discussions that you find here will encourage and challenge you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, happy Father's Day to all of our dads at New Life Church. We're so thankful for you and the role that you play in New Life. And we're praying that God is blessing you and your family abundantly and that today is a very special day for you. I want to talk to us today on a subject that is going hand in hand with uh, the theme that we've been discussing over the past couple of weeks. And we've been talking about loving one another and the importance of keeping unity in the body of Christ and loving each other and the people around us with that agape type love, that selfless love. But today I want to talk about the love of God because that is the love that we are supposed to demonstrate uh, towards each other. And it's difficult for us to uh, be able to love one another to that capacity if we don't have that revelation of God's love for us. It's hard to love others when we have a hard time understanding how we can be loved. And I believe many times that that is where uh, people's struggles stem from. They have a hard time understanding how, how can I be loved? How can anyone love me? And obviously many times that Uh, comes from experiences and situations in life and we have to work through that and we have to uh, get rid of the shame or get rid of the guilt um, in life that we have um, you know come into contact with and that has become a part of who we are and we have to work through those things and, and such but today I want to talk to you about the love of God And I'm hoping and believing that it's going to free us so that we can receive the love of God the way He desires us to, and we can then in turn share it and demonstrate it to others. And so with that, I just want to talk to us today, share some stories, and uh, break this passage down, and I believe God's going to help us today. Uh, We're going to read from Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start at verse 7 and read through verse 11. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So today I want to talk to us about our Heavenly Father. That's our subject today, our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for this opportunity to come together. And I'm asking, Lord, that as your word goes forth, that we would hear and receive it. 
and we would let your word work on us and do what it desires. Father, anything that would try to stop people from hearing about your love today, we bind it in Jesus' name. And I lose faith that we would believe in revelation that we would understand. God, I'm asking that this word would go forth and that it would be received. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Jesus uh, has been talking uh, for the past uh, several chapters in, in the Gospel of Matthew. And this is part of um, the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the longest recorded um, dialogues of Jesus that we have. And he's been covering a lot of different things. He, he, he covered everything, really, in this, uh, in this sermon. But he gets to the point that um, he's talking about asking and receiving. And many times uh, in this first verse that we just read, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you'll find, knock and it will be opened to you. We use that verse and we try to demonstrate um, the, the, the power of God and we associate it with our faith. Now that's true. I believe that. I believe you have to have faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Faith is the foundation of who we are in what we do because we believe and we trust and we worship and we've been saved by a God we've never seen. You've got to have faith. Now, people that don't understand anything about that call us crazy and to be honest, rightfully so. I am living for a God I have never seen. But Jesus said in talking to Thomas, blessed are they that believe and yet have never seen. And so there is a blessing that comes to those who have faith in a God they've never seen. And I believe that God is helping us every day in reaffirming and strengthening our faith in him. But th this passage isn't just about faith. In fact, faith is uh, very little in, in regards to this, this passage. You see, although it's true, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. It, it doesn't have as much to do with you just simply believing. And if you can get to a certain level of faith, it's all going to work out. Uh, Jesus continues talking. And in verse 8, he says, everyone that asketh receiveth. It's not as if you ask a certain way and you ask with a certain level of faith. He just said, if you ask, you'll receive. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. In other words, if you seek, you will find. And him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So, we should not get caught up with this big idea that our faith has to just be the size of Mount Everest. Although we need to have great faith because we serve a great God and, and we shouldn't fear 
and we shouldn't doubt because our God can do anything. There is nothing that he cannot do. There is nothing he cannot deliver you from. There is nothing that he cannot save you from. There is no sin that you've committed that is so great that God would forsake you or leave you or ignore you. So we've got to understand that and we've got to believe it. But in regards to asking, seeking, and knocking, Jesus is trying to communicate something to us. That although you need to have faith, you're not going to uh, receive it or find it or the door be opened because you're some special person with great faith. Jesus goes on to explain. He says in verse 9, What man is there of you that if his son asks for bread, you'll give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you're going to give him a serpent. Jesus is saying, what father would do that? Now, I understand it's Father's Day, and I understand that in this world that has been plagued and cursed by sin and the effects of sin, that not every father has been a good father. And in fact, every father at some point in his life has not been a good father. Every father fails. That sounds like a pretty good hashtag. Every father fails. Um, but some fathers have uh, not been who they are supposed to be. Some fathers have left their families. Some fathers have failed and never made it right. That's just the reality of it. And perhaps some of us have a hard time identifying God as our Heavenly Father in the way that God wants to be viewed because we have a hard time seeing Him as a perfect Father when our example on earth has not been perfect because every father fails and so we as people no matter how good our father on earth has been we as people have a hard time viewing God as the perfect father because we have a hard time seeing what perfect is no matter how good your father has been and how loving he has been, our heavenly father, his love is a million times greater. No matter how um, comforting your earthly father has been, the comfort of our heavenly father is a million times greater. Now, if, if you have had an, an earthly father that has forsaken you, it is so challenging to understand that our Heavenly Father will never forsake us. It's hard to wrap your mind around it, no matter how good or bad our earthly Father has been. You see, Jesus is trying to open our mind to something that 
if your earthly father would give you a good gift, how much more would your heavenly father give you a good gift or desire to give you a good gift? Jesus tells us this when he is saying, if you as a man, you as a father, when your son asks for bread, you give him a stone. Who does that? So Jesus is making a point then in verse 11. He says, if you then being evil, no matter how good or bad you've been as a father, no matter if, if in your mind your father has been the perfect father, he is still an earthly father and every father fails. So Jesus is saying, you, no matter how good you've been, if you being evil, if you being flawed, if you having failed at some point or many points in your life, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, say more, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? It's a challenge to understand God in this way. Yet, we must learn to understand him in this way. One of the greatest revelations that I received about the love of God came only after I became a father. And I've had many stories, or I have many stories, and I've, I've had many examples that always point me back to the love of God. In this verse that we just read, verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask him? That verse has become an anthem in my life for my relationship with my son, but it's also become a, a cornerstone or a foundation for me in my relationship with God. And the very first time I got this revelation about, about uh, the love of God and, and who he is and all of that was right after Everett was born, I had um, been, I had been uh, studying and, and, and understanding um, the, the crucifixion of Jesus and, and the process of it. I, I don't know why, but I was just um, struggling to understand how God in flesh, God as a man, Jesus Christ, he was God in flesh, but he was God in flesh, which means he felt pain. Everything that we feel as human beings, God in flesh, Jesus Christ felt and experienced. And I've read up on the crucifixion. It's terrible. It is horrible. It's unimaginable. The pain, the torture, that he went through and he's God in flesh meaning it hurt it, it if we can imagine what that was like Jesus went through it the whipping the whipping 
with the cat of nine tails that had glass and bone uh, woven into these leather strips that, that, uh, that was designed to rip his back open. They beat him with that. Imagine what that felt like. Well, Jesus didn't have to imagine. He experienced it. Imagine getting punched in the face over and over again relentlessly. Imagine being blindfolded and slapped and spit on and not being able to see who, who the one who is assaulting you. Imagine that pain. Imagine that torture. Imagine having a, a crown of thorns that was woven into being similar to like some sort of helmet type thing being, being plunged into your scalp and blood pouring out in these 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 uh, thorns that are long and sharp just piercing you imagine having uh, spikes being driven through your wrists and your in your feet and what's holding you to a wooden cross are these are these spikes I, I, the pain the suffering how, how having to go through that physically and feeling every single bit of it. I can't imagine what that's like. It's horrible. Yet, Jesus willingly did that to save us from our sins and the penalty of our sins, the wages of sin is death and I couldn't wrap my mind around it I was like God I know that you experienced this and went through this because you love us but God I can't understand that love what kind of love is that I know you love us but God how in the world did you continue to endure that and go through that? I know that Hebrew tells Hebrews tells us who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. But I'm, I, I couldn't get a glimpse of it. I couldn't understand it because the suffering was so great that at the time, all I could see was the suffering. And although I knew it was because of his love for us, I didn't have the revelation of his love for us. And so even though I had knowledge, I didn't have understanding. And so I said, God, will you show me what this type of love is? And it was several months after Everett was born and I was uh, sitting in his room, rocking him to sleep. And I really wasn't thinking about any of what we've uh, just talked about, but I looked down and I looked into his face and God spoke to me and said, that's how. And instantly, everything that I had prayed, everything that I had read about, everything that I had talked to God about came flooding back into my mind. And I knew how and why Jesus did everything that he did. Because I looked in the face of my son the one to whom I am a father. And I knew that without hesitation, I would go through all of that just so he wouldn't have to.
Whatever penalty he had to pay, I would pay it so he wouldn't have to. Whatever suffering that he would have to go through, I would willingly give myself so that he wouldn't have to suffer. I would go to the cross for my son. And if I, being an evil, flawed, failing father, would do that for my son, how much more would our perfect heavenly father do that for us? And from that day forward, I began to get a revelation of the love of God that I never had before. That if anything that I would do for my son, if I would do that for my son, then why in the world would I think for a second that God would hesitate to do that for me? If I, being an evil, flawed father, am willing to go to the ends of the earth for my son, why would I think that the God of heaven and earth would not be willing to go to the ends of the earth for me? You see, shame, is a weapon the enemy uses to blind us from the everlasting love of God, the unfailing love of God. We've got to open our eyes to the love of God like never before, and we need to let the Spirit of God move on us and wash over us and cleanse us from things that would keep us from being able to see the love of God exactly how it is. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you've done. There's nothing that you could do. There's nothing that's been done to you that will cause God to stop loving you. Even though you may not feel loved, that doesn't mean that you are not loved. God loves you exactly how you are. God loves you in your flaws and in your failings. God is reaching for you in the middle of the mess that you may be in. And although you don't feel worthy, how you feel has nothing to do with God's love for you. He loves you when you feel good and he loves you when you feel bad. He loves you when you feel worthy and he loves you when you feel unworthy. Your feelings, your emotions, and the seasons of life that you may be in and go through have no, have no way in determining God's love for you. God's love for you is steadfast. God's love for you is constant. He loves you when you're down. He loves you when you're doing good. He loves you when you have a lot of money in the bank. He loves you when you're broke. He loves you when, when you've done some things that you feel terrible about and you regret. He loves you the same in those moments as he does when you are doing well according to your standards. God's love for you is constant. It doesn't change it's not influenced by your behavior. And how, how can I be confident in this? Other than the fact that that's what the word of God says. His steadfast love, his unfailing love, his agape love, meaning his love for you is not based on your performance. His love for you is based on the fact that he just loves you. 
because he chooses to, and he's never going to choose to not love you. He's just always going to love you. And if there is a God somewhere in this universe that chooses to love me that way, I want to know more about him. But Jesus doesn't just choose to love us in a way that I love you and you should just know that. No, he also showed us that type of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God's love for you is so great that he gave his own life for you so that you could have everlasting life. Because if he didn't do that, then you and I would be condemned to an everlasting life of suffering and death in hell. But God's love for us is not based on our performance because that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if our performance is what determined whether or not God loved us, then he would have never died for us when we were still sinners. So you see, God's love for you is just constant. It never fails. It never quits. It never gives up. God's love for you is the same on your worst day as it is on your best day. That's why when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to rejoice in that fact. You need to celebrate that fact. You need to let that encourage you to be like, hey, I can do this. I can live for God. I don't need to let my failures or my past or the things that I've done or the things that's been done to me keep me from living for God because this God loves me so much and he's paid the ultimate price for my salvation. I want to give my life to him because if I give my life to him, I know that he's never going to fail me. He's never going to let me down. He's never going to walk away. He's never going to forsake me because he's always loved me. God loves the people that don't even know he exists. There's people out there. They're aware that perhaps there's some spiritual all-powerful being somewhere, but they don't know that it's the one true God, Jesus Christ. Or they may just think that Jesus was a good man that lived a long time ago and died a really terrible death. And they don't understand everything that took place and why it took place. But Jesus still loves those people just the same as he loves you, as he loves me. What kind of love is that? It's a perfect love. It's a perfect love that we will struggle perhaps at times for the rest of our life to constantly remember. There are days still that I struggle to remember and understand that our God loves us that way. But I remind myself that if I'm willing to do whatever it takes for my son, how much more would our Heavenly Father be willing to do whatever it takes for us? 
If, I, if I'm willing to die for my son, how much more would our Heavenly Father be willing to die for us so that we would not have to? If I'm willing to, to give anything I can to my son to help him, how much more would our Heavenly Father be willing to give whatever to help us? If there's nothing my son can do to make me stop loving him, how much more would our Heavenly Father love us regardless of what we do? That's what Jesus is trying to say. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened because everyone that asketh receiveth and everyone that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it will be opened. Because if you are willing to give good gifts to your children, even though you're flawed and you fail, how much more would our Heavenly Father desire to give good gifts to us that ask? Why does He desire that? Because He loves us. He wants to help us. And no matter what you've done, where you've been, that doesn't matter. It doesn't affect God's love for you. God's love for us, though, that if we let his love in and we let God love us, the love of God is so powerful that he loves us as we are. But if we let his love in, it's so powerful that it also transforms us and it makes us better. And yes, all of us can be better. None of us are perfect. None of us are who we should be yet. But God still loves us as we are. But when we let his love in and we let his love affect our life, it's so powerful that as he is loving us as we are, he's also conforming us and transforming us and changing us and improving us into who He's always known we could be. That's the power of the love of God. It's the same, it's the same principle as, as a parent who looks at their child and loves them as they are, but they've done something really stupid. And the parent says, you're better than that. I love you, but there's more for you. You're better than that. I know you can do better. I know who you're supposed to be. That is what the love of God is like times one million. The love of God, he loves you as you are. Yes, as you are. I know people that would watch this would automatically start coming up with excuses as to why God couldn't or wouldn't love them. He loves you as you are. And if you'll let his love in as he's loving you as you are, his love is also working to make you into who he's always known you could become. That's how powerful his love is. That is our heavenly father. 
And so my prayer today is this, is that we would stop trying to view God through some earthly flawed lens and that we would let and ask that the love of God would open our eyes to who he truly is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your love. Your love that is beyond knowledge, scientific reasoning, scientific calculation. The only way, God, that we can truly know your love is through a spiritual revelation. And God, I'm asking today that as this word has gone forth, that you would begin to move on the hearts and minds of people and give them a revelation of your steadfast, unfailing love. And God, I pray that as we begin to get that revelation, that we would trust you enough to open our lives to you and let your love in. And as you're loving us as we are, you're also transforming us into who you've always known that we could become. I pray, God, that we would let ourselves be loved by you so that we can be who you've always desired us to be. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray today that you would not just hear this word and, and then forget about it by tomorrow, but we need to let the love of God transform us into who he desires us to be. Because then and only then are we able to love others the way that God, our Heavenly Father, desires for us to love them. And when we love people the way we should, then our Heavenly Father gets the glory. Because as we're loving people the way he's loved us, the people out there will see there is a God who loves me based off of our love for them. God will get the glory. And that's how we're going to reach this world. I pray that this word blesses you and challenges you and also encourages you. And this week, let's, let's pray and seek the face of God and let his love transform us. God bless you.